from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 things of the week that made us go... Wow! That's right. I'm co-founder of World of Wonder, Fenton Bailey. Joined, it's been a few weeks, joined by James St. James. I'm back, baby. I'm back. We are reunited, and it feels so good. (laughs) (laughs) And Tom Cavill is out on special assignment, so this week, Blake Jacobs joins us. I'm here. Yay. I think I don't think Tom wants anything to do with me. That's that that's what I'm getting at. <laughs> oh, please. You have a story to tell. I'm gonna to hear it. Um, just a quick reminder, you can uh you can see James St. James is uh what he's gonna be talking about in a second. Um by watching the Wow Report for Radio Andy on our YouTube channel. So you can listen here, but you can also watch us. Um, making all sorts of mistakes, making faces with little bits cut out, all the mistakes, blah, blah, blah. All right, so let's start with the countdown. Number 10, James. Number 10. Yes, I'm going to be number 10. Um, I know it's heresy to be talking about Donna Summer the week that Tina Turner passed away, and we will get to Tina very shortly. But there's a documentary on HBO Max, or Max as it's called now, called Love to Love You Baby. And it's pretty spectacular. You forget how just pure that voice was and how well those songs stand up. And it's told by her daughters. So there's a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of behind-the-scenes footage, a lot of home movies, a lot of recordings we've never seen before. Um, it's really, it's it's interesting, you know, the, the Donna Summer story and the story of disco, and you have all this wonderful footage of gay discos in the 1970s that just blow your mind. Just There's like the Ice Palace and, you know, I, I mean, just places that I mean, out in the, the pines of just queens going bananas listening to her music. And it's really, it's a lot of fun. Interestingly, though, I watched about the first hour and then I switched away to watch something else. And when I came back, HBO had switched over to Max and I was locked out. And for the life of me, I could not download Max onto my Roku and I couldn't switch over from my HBO. It was driving me crazy. So I never got to see the last 40 minutes of the documentary. Now, did you see it? I have not seen it, but I was talking to someone who, funnily enough, started to watch it and was loving it. And similarly, didn't get locked out of Max, but just didn't finish it. They went off to something else. So, um, the thing is, though, because one of the most interesting things about Donna, the most the least likable thing about Donna is that she was a good Christian woman and she allegedly hated the gays. And for somebody who made her career off of the back of the LGBTQ community to just, to, and I don't think that it it goes into that at all. Oh, but, interesting. But because, you know, it's it, her, her daughters did it. So this is like hagiography. You know, this is, this is building up the mythology as, and I don't think, but I would like someone at some point to, to discuss that because it is an interesting dichotomy to have somebody who is 
a gay icon who did not like the gays. Well, that's interesting too because it's directed by Roger Ross Williams, the doc uh, head of the doc branch of the Academy, who's also himself an Academy Award winning documentarian who made a, a film about Uganda. So he's no shrinking violet when oh, it comes yeah. to you know the 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 issues that we face. But I, I also imagine that the sheer joy of seeing the archive and hearing the songs is enough to carry you for a while. It is, well, especially because it opens up with, ah, I love you, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it just goes on. And literally, she just is orgasming for the first 20 minutes of the dock, and you're just, a, you're in heaven. <laughs> I remember, did the deep, the theme from the deep, did that come first before Love to Love You, Baby? What was the theme from the deep? It was like, uh, you know, one of those sort of Jaws related books. Um, yeah. But it was like deep inside, a lot of moaning, you know. Okay. Well, Love's Unkind is a favorite for me. Love's Unkind. Oh, yeah. I I mean, there's so many. I I I do remember when Love to Love You came out, we were not allowed to listen to it when it came on the radio. My, you know, my dad turned it off. It was, that was as dirty as you could get. It's, 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 it was shocking at the time. But you should um, know this. Is she still alive? No, she passed away, gosh, 10 years ago? How long did she pass away? It's been since I've lived out here and been at World of Wonder because I kind of like rediscovered one of her songs. It's like a 90s song or late 80s song that was done by Waterman, Aikman, Atman. Aikman, Waterman. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of it. I'll, I'll find it before we finish this, but... All right. Well, that is Love to Love You, Baby, streaming on Max. So make sure you sign up for your new account. <laughs> like, I'll tell you. I talk about. Are glitchy. you in now? Did you get in or are you still? No, I still can't figure it out. I've been trying to do it for three days now. It's funny because I had all sorts of problems with my HBO Go now. I could never get into it. And, it, you know, it, it was just it was just the most problematic thing. Song. Yeah. Um, the song was This Time I Know It's For Real. Oh, this time I know it's for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good oh, yeah. stuff. <laughs> well, James, if you have any more thoughts about it, you can jump back because you're also doing number nine. Number nine. Number nine. Well, I just wanted to just talk a little bit about the the hell that I, the hellscape that is my life. Let's address the elephant in the room. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, I'm dying. I, uh. I what was happened? at DragCon and I was loading in and I was talking to some fans um, who had camped out to watch, to, to, to see the Queens load in and out. And they had, and so I went over and I was talking to them. And as I was backing up, there were these like uh, cement, like cinder block things. And I tripped over it, went ass over apple cart. Uh, the, everything went in slow motion and I could see the trees and the skies and the clouds. And then I heard a crack and I thought to myself, is that my head or my arm? Because both of them had shooting pain. And that's the last thing I remember. And when I opened up my eyes, I had been, I'd been out. I was knocked unconscious and um, there was a crowd of people around me. And some of the people from the um, Staples Center were there to make sure that I was not, I was not going to sue. The convention center, yeah. Yeah, they were very concerned. And did, did I need an ambulance? And my sister was there. And so we said no. And she drove me to Cedar sinai Well, let me just tell you that Cedar sinai 
bless them. I mean, they're a fantastic hospital. The doctors there are absolutely fantastic. I love them. But I was in the emergency room for nine hours. And every time I moved, I, I heard my arm was just dangling from its socket. And all I heard was crack, 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 crack uh. every time I moved. And I went to go, you know, and of course, doctors being doctors, when I was getting x-rays and MRIs and all that stuff, they're just, fly, just grabbing it and, and pushing it here, pushing it there. And I was screaming and shouting. It was just awful. And so I had a concussion and I broke my bones in two places, my radius and ulna, I think. It's just the two little bones right there. Um, and so I have been in a cast this past, you know, two weeks now. And when I tell you the three S's, shit, shower, and shaving are absolutely impossible. And I am stinky and disgusting. You have no idea. Yes. Shit, true. shower, shave, and shag. How about that? No. <laughs> Bless, if, if, if someone would come over here and try and shag me, we probably could not do it, but I don't think that one's going to happen. Well, James, with your arm in a sling, I was going to say this is a different kind of sling than you're normally used to. <laughs> James, I tell you, I've been trying to talk James into getting, for some reason on Facebook, I saw this thing that you put it on your hand and it's a shaver. Like, you know, oh, for face, yeah. it has like yeah. that on it and you just go like this. And I clicked on it one time to see how much it was to see if I would just gift it to James. But, you know, it was a little too much. But now I just get ads for face on Facebook for these head shavers. And oh, I have a head of hair. I want to sort of show you because they have this weird robotic thing that oh. I have on my it's a it's a robot arm. It's like a bionic arm that is impossible. It has this wheel that you have to click on to rotate the different angles of it. And it is so hard and it doesn't really it's just the whole thing is I I I'm lying in pain all day long. Oh, James, I'm sorry. Did they give you any medication for the pain? Well, they gave me some hydrocodone, but I hate hydrocodone because it just makes me cross-eyed and cranky and itchy. I just itch, 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 because I guess it's like heroin. It's, you know, it's like an opiate. So I took those for the first two days, and then I switched over to like a high ibuprofen, hmm. you know, an 800 milligram. Well, uh, okay. Um Number eight. Number eight. I do want to change the tone slightly because uh, a couple of days ago, it was the first year anniversary of the Uvalde massacre in Texas, where 19 children and two teachers were murdered in a classroom by a gunman. And of course, that, that is just one of many uh, mass shootings that have become all too common. In fact, in the years since, I think I, I read today there's been 360 mass shootings since, which is just beggar's belief. Or it's, um, more, it's more than once a day. It really is. It's more than one a day. Yeah. And but what I wanted to talk about today was I read an article this morning that just had me in tears. Um, it was about Jimon Procupaz, yeah, the CNN reporter. Um, and he, I, I just want to say very quickly before you start watching Shimon Procupaz's coverage of Uvalde. He is, I mean, it, it's Pulitzer Prize winning. It's 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 yeah. it's unbelievable the the heart and depth and in in the way he his his 
cover that is just amazing. So keep going. I'm sorry. Well, James, that is exactly what I was going to say. (laughs) The whole point of this piece is to pay tribute to his reporting uh, and his team um, because he, uh, after he, he was, his, his grandmother had just passed away and he had just been covering the, um, the, the racist killings at the supermarket. Um, Mm -hmm. And, when he first heard about Uvalde and he was on the scene pretty much immediately. But this is the thing, not just immediately and not just in that aftermath when the media is there and everyone's there talking about it. The entire year, he has been there time and time again doing these heartbreaking reports because I think it's fair to say he was one of the first people who smelled a rat in terms of the way they were presenting what had gone down in this article, he describes them at the first press conference talking about the person being barricaded in and just thinking that that was very odd uh, in, a, in a mass shooting thing, that the, the person would barricade themselves. And then um, I think the next piece of information was a sort of timeline of like how long it was before they entered the classroom. And things just didn't add up. But he went at it like a terrier and confronted the mayor, confronted the police. And... And all the, to, while, um, all the while building relationships with the families yes. and, and not just being there as a reporter, but no. but being there as a loving supporter. It's just as it's, a real person, as, as, as a real yes. person. And so he has managed to straddle both the professional and the personal in a way that I have never seen a reporter do. Before. I, I, I'm so exactly. And um, he in this article, he which is on CNN.com, we'll post the link. He talks about how this was his first time interviewing families of victims because it hadn't been his role before that. He'd just been like fact checking, kind of court reporting type stuff. This was a whole new uh, role he was thrust into. And he, you know, just took the bull by the horns and wouldn't be fobbed off and like called the bullshit for what it was. I mean, uh, just incre- just incredible. And um, I've only seen bits of it, James, but there's a Anderson Cooper, the whole story, they did an hour special um, in which one of the things is he plays tape that they came into possession of, of the police, the, the authorities waiting in the corridor as until mm-hmm. they got into the classroom. And it's just so moving. It's not, it's not gory or exploitive. And it, it's sort of heartbreaking that no one, none of the authorities in Uvalde would play this material or show this material to the families. So Shimon and his team get them together and say, do you want to see this? And it's just so powerful. Um, And, you know, so incredibly frustrating that nothing really substantive has been done since and, but, and and that they that after Uvalde that the the people of Texas still voted Abbott back into office again when mm-hmm. they had the opportunity to you know change governors and change leadership yeah. and you know that Beto O'Rourke didn't didn't get in it it yeah. is frustrating to see the climate in Texas even after all of these you know consecutive things I do just also want to say that you know for 
as much as I personally have been bagging on CNN and talking about how they've been moving to the right and and mm-hmm. the, the changes in leadership there and everything like that, the fact that Shimon is the bright spot there, that he is someone that is, Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I would just say to Chris Licht and his asshole overlords that, that they need to do more of what Shimon yeah. is doing and less of the other shit. That yeah, yeah, L- less Trump town halls and, and just give Shimon yeah. that 8 p.m. to 11 p.m. spot and just let Absolutely. him do uh, and see, watch him grow and do other stories. And, and I, I'm someone who is invested in his career for now and for all yeah. time. Yeah. Well, he, you know, they won a, a Peabody. Um, for for the reporting and 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 just on another sort of personal note, it's very sad that like um, just recently his mother passed away. So oh. you know he lost his grandmother and his mother all while covering the story. And you can just I can't really imagine the personal. I, I think it really comes across the personal the personal trauma of covering these stories, but also just anyone who's around this is. It's so heartbreaking and it just is like boggles the mind that, you know, they're more worried about drag queens and books than, than, you know, guns. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to bring it down. And, um, but I just think resistor of the year, Shimon Procupes and give him every award you can find. Mm. Uh, Let's take a quick break. Blake, do you have a question? I do. What actors perfume slash cologne smelled like pus, blood, fecal matter, and sweat on the set for their latest role. It was just revealed at con. Um, very good. Thank you for that. Repulsive <laughs> <Repulsive> question. <laughs> we'll have the I saw poop and I thought of you too. Well, thank <laughs> you. We'll have the answer right after the break here on the Wow Report on Radio Andy. Listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hey, welcome back to Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with James St. James, who's returned from um, his accident. Yes. Um, uh, uh, One armed bandit. Uh, and, uh, and Blake standing in for Tom, who's on special assignment. I'll just remind you before we get the answer to the question that new episodes of RuPaul's Drag Race All Stars 8. Fridays, Wow Presents Plus uh, outside of the U.S. and Paramount Plus here in the States. So I asked, what actors' perfume slash cologne smelled like pus, blood, fecal matter, and sweat for their latest role? They just revealed this at a press conference in Cannes this week. Well, I've got to believe that it's 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 probably Helen Mirren. <laughs> It's definitely not that guy in um, the Barbie movie. So I don't know. Uh, Ryan, Ryan. Gosling? <laughs> yeah. No. I would smell his pus and fecal metabol. Was it supposed to smell that way? Or it was just act came out that way? It was because it was Jude Law. He is playing Henry VIII in the new movie. Uh, what is the name of it? Firebrand. And, oh, you know, yeah. towards the towards the end of his life, his leg was rotting and everything, and people just stank back then, I guess. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he went to some perfumer who made, who usually makes wonderful scents, and she made this awful scent of... With the, I you know, love it! I want it! <laughs> I probably already smell like that right now anyway. Yeah, you do. 
<laughs> I can but smell it from here. a little bit like method acting. I mean, like acting in a movie. Like what's like? Yeah. That's what an not odd choice, it. though. What an odd choice for Jude Law to be Henry VIII. That's so bizarre. I don't see him at his, as it is. I could see. Look at that Holbein portrait. He's got the, if it was, you know, the face is so bloated, but like cute. Yeah. Oh, I guess he was cute in his younger days, too. And Jude was cute in his younger days. So there you go. We are counting down the top 10 things that made us go wow. Blake, number seven. Number seven. Well, last week I told you guys about going to the Just Like Heaven Festival, remember, at Brookside at the Rose Bowl. This week, it was, it had changed from, you know, the niche millennial music festival into Cruel World, which is mainly 80s goths. To, you know, I mean, we saw ABC, we saw Animotion, we saw Gang of Four, Billy wow. Idol, Echo and the Bunnymen. Oh, my God. And just as we were watching the Human League, no. uh, they they announced that they're, they're, they had seen lightning far off, so everyone had to leave. And oh, no. no. One How far see. into Human League did you get? Did you get Don't You Want Me and, and Lebanon? And No? No. What songs did they play? Um, they hadn't done really anything that I knew. I was waiting for human. I wanted to hear human. We don't need human. Yeah. Fascination's um, my favorite. Yeah. That's- feeling fascination. Did, did um, ABC play Be Near Me? Be Near Me. Sure oh, that song makes me cry every single time. That I was, it so ABC was my favorite. Millionaire. They did all the hits. Oh, love it. Gold, yeah. gold, you are gold. <laughs> <laughs> well, so anyway, they canceled it before Iggy Pop and Susie Sue had taken the stage. No. They, this was Susie's only tour stop in North America. Well, I've heard that the Susie concert, because she did it like in Belgium or something recently, and it is songs that she hasn't sang in 20 years that this is like one of the best that if you ever see Susie sue live that this is the time to see it well didn't it have a rain date it did it was the very next day so i was all hung over of course because <laughs> i didn't tell you guys we brought in these binoculars me and my friend steven we both bought binoculars and both sides of the binoculars hold held like a bottle of booze so we had like <laughs> binoculars that we were like gulp, gulp, gulp. and then we had like <laughs> suntan lotion bottles that had booze in it and we bought this air co- couch thing that like it looks that like you a filled big- that with beer <laughs> <laughs> no it looks like a big vagina and you like open up these like two chambers and you like run and put air in it and then close it really fast and then like roll it up and then it makes this air thing and it was big enough for me and steven to sit on it so we're sitting there like for all day in the hot sun. I got sunburned and drunk on our air couch at Cruel World and watched uh, your vagina hot flap air couch on our vagina flap air couch watching <laughs> hot goths walk by all day. It was really. Oh, boring. I imagine the crowd was just fantastic. It was. At one point, I was like, "Oh my God, look, there's Robert Smith!" But it was just like. <laughs> Everyone looked like Robert Smith. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, but, there's Susie Sue. Yeah, there's a hundred of them. Oh. Yeah. It was really fun, though. I will totally go back again next year. 
I've hmm. never seen Echo and the Bunnymen either. The the Killing Field. What is that the, song? The did? weird thing is they were on the big stage and they had no like camera visuals on them. Oh, the whole time it was just like their logo or whatever. Because he was cute boy back in the days. He was a hottie. Well, maybe that had something to do with it, you know. Oh. I got to definitely in town because the, the Cure played the other night, I think, as well. Right. The Cure played the other night at the Hollywood Bowl. So oh, it was, yeah. yeah, a crazy week for golf. Oh, well, better luck next year. Uh, let's move on to number six. Number six. Revisiting Streetcar Named Desire on Turner Classic Movie, and I was hoping that that Tom would be here for this one because no. it's so fascinating. I've seen it probably a hundred times in my life. You have you seen it a hundred times, Fenton? Um, no, I sort of seen it, but I yeah. Okay, I, I never well, have. So tell us about it. Okay, the the thing is, is it's Vivian Lee who is Scarlett O'Hara, and this is twenty years later, and she is a broken down, man hungry faded Southern Belle, right? Who comes in to stay with her sister and her brutish husband played by Marlon Brando. And this is Marlon Brando's big screen debut. And she is um, easily what Blanche Devereaux was based on. Blanche Dubois is her name. And she is la-di-da. And she's holding, you know, putting up like little lanterns all over the place. And she's wearing little silk. I mean, she's just pretentious as fuck. And he sees right through her from the very beginning. He knows that she was a whore and she got run out of town. And that's why she's staying with them. Right. And the thing about it is, is like um, Sunset Boulevard or some of these other camp classics, they have been, done by drag queens and meme to death and done in cartoons and gays have been quoting it forever and ever and ever. And you know, I have always relied on this kindness of strangers is what she says as she's being led away to the loony farm um, at the very end of the movie. But it's not as camp as you remember it. It's real. I mean, it's Tennessee Williams, so it's going to be camp, but um, the most interesting thing is Marlon Brando, who is sex on a stick you have never it is every scene is just of his sweaty armpits of the of the sweat glistening on his muscles of him licking his lips it's close-ups of his lips it is pornographic you get the armpit here you get the bulges you get ass shots it's just the camera is eating him up it is a gay porn fantasy and you cannot you there's no way you can watch it watching it now you're just you are shocked that this is the 1950s that they are literally like when you look at him what is it the kids say about you would do it until the room stank so bad that the paint peeled off the walls i mean you just you just that's that's what you get when you look at marlon brando and you have all these rumors of him being bisexual of him you know, with James Dean, and you think of the triumvirate of James Dean, Marlon Brando, and Elvis Presley in the 1950s during that repressed time, and how the panties were just flooded every time you saw him. And it's uh, in the climactic scene, uh, spoiler, you know, 70 years later, um, <laughs> uh, but he rapes, he rapes Blanche. He, he, the wife is away, and he, the, he shuts the door, and he rapes her. And she loses her mind. She just, she's so delicate and, you know, sensitive that when he rapes her, that's when at the very end, when they come to take her away to the loony bin and she's like, I've always lied on the kindness. 
it's because that that he raped her. But you are you are with him every step of the way, even though he's this brute, he's this louse, he's this horrible, like violent man, and he's he's a horrible, horrible person. But he's so, Marlon Brando is so damn sexy that you are even even when he even after the rape, you are still thinking, damn, he's just the camera just eats him up. And it's, why did you watch it again? Like, well, because I've been doing a lot of these movies that um we've talked about it over the past couple of weeks about how these revisiting wow. these movies that probably could not be Never made be today. Made again. Yeah, yeah, and this is one of those ones where because it ends in this violent, violent rape, this just act of just horrific, horrific violence, and like I said, you are with him. Up until that point, and even afterwards, you're, you you can separate the character from the actor, and you can just say this is one of the greatest screen acting roles of all time. It's one of the great screen, uh, you know, debuts. Like never in the history of films before or since has there been an actor who has just been like, I mean, immediately, just the minute he goes on screen, you are like. <gasps> Like, you cannot believe how, and I don't think that you could have a movie anymore with that kind of pornographic lusting for someone who is so clearly a bad person. You know, now everyone has to pass a purity test. Every, you know, you can't be rooting for bad people the way you were rooting for Stanley Kowalski. Be the same, I guess, with Last Tango in Paris also, which came towards well, the end of his career. Exactly. Right? Yeah, we, we talked about that. And it's interesting to see how Marlon's career sort of went from that that sexy just i mean you to that the bloated mess from like island of dr moreau and apocalypse now and a last tango in paris and godfather you know so that is a streetcar named desire streaming on ton of classic movies or uh, if you're not james st james streaming on max (laughs) (laughs) all right number five number five the dodger sisters Get it? Get where I'm going with this. So every year the Dodgers do an, a pride game, right? Big, yeah. And I, I guess it's a big thing. I'm not really a base. Is it baseball? Yeah. So this year they had the brilliant idea to honor the Sisters okay. of Perpetual Indulgence. Who, um, James, tell us, you know, just give no, us the a... The Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence have been around since 1970, 79, I mean. 79. 79, yeah. And they um, are basically, saying they started in San Francisco. They're pr- primarily based there. But they are, they dress up in outrageous, like, nuns. But they are known for their good deeds and their yeah. charitable acts. And they are revered within the gay community as being someone, especially during the AIDS crisis, they were there. They have always been there for 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 their community and for what happens next is was an assault on the gay the well, right because they were the the dodgers decided to give them a community hero award at this game june 16th um to, to honor that recognize their community service as, as james says and then oh, 
people objected, hands thrown up in horror, more, you know, drag queens are pedophiles, all that. But they're groomers, more. they're groomers. The, yeah. the, the drag queens are, yes, they're, they're Satans. And so the Dodgers said, quote, given the strong feelings of people who've been offended by the sisters' inclusion in our evening, and in an effort not to distract, blah, 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 they decided to uninvite them and withdraw the award. This is thanks largely to Senator Marco Rubio, um, that awful person, and various Catholic groups who claim that it mocks Christians through diabolical... And and yet, realistically, they are more Christian than many of the Christians out there because they really are devoting their life to service. As is almost invariably the case. Yes. I want to know why all of a sudden we give a shit what other people think. Like, now is the time for people to not be caring about money and putting their money where their, you know, morals well, are. It, and it's also and a- like Target is doing the same thing. Oh, well, yes, I was going to say related, yeah. talking about crater traders, like people who basically just give up at the moment someone objects. And Target have a line of 2,000 items, uh, including gender fluid mugs. I'm not quite sure what a gender fluid mug is or like, how it manifests. No, it, it is funny that they said that they were um tucking tucking bathing suits for baby for little boys. Like no, <laughs> no, no, nobody's having tucking bathing suits for children. Apparently, but- they they have a tag that reads "tuck friendly construction and extra crotch coverage." What is wrong with that? Like how is that well, offensive? Yeah, but it's for adult bathing suits as well. I mean, you know, yeah. it, but also, um, you know. The thing is, because, you know, all the book mannings, it's come uh, that you hear about uh, across the country. Turns out that it comes down to 11 women who have been banned together to get the book. It's not millions of people crying out about this. It is 11 people that are influencing the entire library system of the country. Are you referencing the million moms? Because there was never a million moms. No, no, no. no. It's not the million moms. It's like that, though. It is like that, yes, where it, it, they've identified that it is literally just 11 people who were d- doing every school system in, you know, in every mm. public library. But I do want to say that, you know, then they recapitulated and re-invited them back and everything. Is yes. All oh, well, that, yes, it has a happy yeah. ending. This one does yeah. have a happy ending. They invited but them does back. It, does it? I mean, really? Yes, they invited them back and everybody said, oh, thank you know, that you're doing the right thing. But why did you do it in the first place? Exactly. Exactly. Failure of nerve, I guess, you know, I mean, that, 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 and I think we're all going to have to get used to like, you know, someone says boo and everybody jumps. And I I think that this is not what we should be doing. I mean, you know, related is um, some prides have been canceled in Florida, in St. Cloud, outside of Orlando. Um, Tampa Pride on the River has been canceled. And, well, if you uh, recall, a year ago, I said on this show that that is the end game for all of this drag hysteria. Oh, yeah. Is that they are going to be canceled? They they're coming for the pride parades. They do, you know, all these laws about you can't be in public, blah blah blah. All of that was meant to stop gay pride parades, and it is we're seeing that unfurl all across Florida now and probably, you know, Tennessee and Kentucky. Well, interestingly, I mean, this is a tiny example, but that there is a sort of anti-drag thing in Wilton Manors of all places. And yeah. the city commissioner there is going to the Pride Parade dressed as Lady Vote. So because they're saying, you know, the anti-drag law against performing in drag, but doesn't mean you can't be out in drag. 
doesn't say anything about but that is the next step and that oh, is the one in in um kentucky i think that's what it was where you can't yes. be in public because you can't ha- you expose children to men in makeup it's all yes exactly it's they're coming all, for us you it's know. like the satanic panic of the 80s remember yeah. yeah it's stupid and fuck all of them thank you um, Big Freedom Means Business is premiering on June 7th, uh, 9 p.m. ET on Wow Business Plus outside the U.S. and Fuse TV here in America. I'm very excited because Big Freedom, as you know, is the voice in Release Your Soul, you know, that fabulous mm-hmm. sample and Beyonce single. And um, we've done many seasons of, of, of Big Freedom before and there's been a hiatus, but now Big Freedom's back. Badder than ever. Um yeah, let's take a break. Blake, we got a question? I do, I do. Um, who does our boss, Andy Cohen, regret not ever having on Watch What Happens Live? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. We'll have the answer right after the break here on The Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go Wow. Welcome back to The Wire Report. I'm Fenton here with James and Blake. Tom is out on special secret assignment. Uh, What was the question? Um, Our dear boss, Andy Cohen, has recently come out and said who he regrets not having on his late night show, Watch What Happens Live on Bravo. Who was it? Well, I would maybe think that um, because Anna Nicole has been in the news again and what I wouldn't give to watch Andy Cohen interview Anna Nicole Smith, that would just be fantastic for me. But it's probably not. But but what can you imagine that interview? Uh (laughs) Tina Turner, maybe. That's a good one. Um, It was actually Meghan Markle. She was a big fan while she was on Suits and really wanted to like come to the clubhouse. But. She he has been it. on Meghan Markle's podcast. Right. I think but, that's yeah. kind of what brought this up. Oh, right, 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 right. And um, congratulations, Andy, on his new book, The Daddy Diaries. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It looks really fun, doesn't it? Exactly. I, the cover it is fantastic. Yes. You and he both he win the cover war, you know, cover uh, battle, I think. Both of you have really fantastic book covers. Oh, sweetie. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, James has just plugged my book, Screen Age, which is available where all fine books are sold. Um, All right, let's move on. We're counting down the top 10. We've reached number four. Number four. Uh, That's me. Uh, I think Fenton is really going to love this new house um, I'm going to talk about this week. Beyonce and Jay-Z. Have you heard they bought a new humble abode in Malibu? I heard the the outrageous price, and they paid cash, is what I hear. They paid two hundred million dollars in cash, but the the gag is is it was listed as like the most expensive house in the U.S. at two hundred and ninety five million. I'm guessing since they offered cash, they just accepted a third of, you know, a well, third that's of a bargain then, right? <laughs> but Fenton, you know that this is a brutalist uh, compound. It was. The architect behind the project is Tadao Ando. Oh, right. And is it brand new? It's not. It it they they built they bought the house from let me see, what is his name? Billy Bell Jr. And he he is of a hefty soap opera 
legacy. Oh, yes, the Bells. Sure, they did Young and the Restless and Bold and the Beautiful and all that. Yeah, Laurel and another world. He yeah, and his sure. he and his wife built it. It's in Malibu Paradise Cove, which is also known as Billionaires Row. Um, thirty thousand square feet, all concrete digs. I'll post a picture of this. You know, it's not that big for 200 mil. Well, it's on Billionaire's Row in Malibu. Mm. So, Well, when you think about Kanye and Kim's brutalist cement bunker that they had and how awful that was a place to raise the kids, I just feel like it's like you're living in a in a – in a crematorium or something. I don't know. But Fenton, could you live in a brutalist house? Oh, no, I could not. I mean, I, I like I, I love my taste for them. brutalism is when it's completely camp and off the rails, like 70s brutalism, where they just built ridiculous, like top heavy concrete things with sort of it was. And I still, but James, I couldn't live in it. I would like have to put wallpaper up everywhere. You, you know? follow the brutalist um, uh, uh, Instagram. Uh, there's some brutalist. Yes, things. I follow many of them. Yes, I do. There's the, I do. there's the one building. It's the it's the Russian ballet company, and it just it's like a giant slab with no windows. You yes. know what I'm talking about? Yes, makes yeah, me hard just cool. thinking about it. But <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, my taste, I think, runs more to like Rue's Rue's um, modest palace at the moment. You know sort of big sort of instagram friendly bold colors but the thing that i love about your house is that it is it's like a it's like a nottingham college you know cottage it's very much like british with the with the ivy climbing up this it's very homey you have a very homey home I'm a I'm a home I'm a hobbit I'd like to live in a hobbit house that would be my yeah, personal favorite yeah, yeah. no because I the, the, I always imagine that you know when I that you would have one of those big garish camp houses <laughs> Thank you so then, much. <laughs> but then when I, you when you actually did get your house and it's just it's such a homey home that it's it's, it's um, a homey home for a homo it's the homiest <laughs> yeah. thirty thousand square feet. I've ever seen. I bet they won't even live there. Um, well, that's just it. The pair, like in 2017, they bought a Bel Air compound for 30,000 uh, square feet for 88 million, and they're keeping it. Hmm. And that's on top of uh, Hampton's estate they bought for 26 million, like a month after they bought the Bel Air estate. So they're doing pretty well. And I think Jay Z, I've read recently, was worth. Two point five billion, and Beyonce is worth five hundred million something, but is expected to rake in over a billion for this run. I was going to say, I I think she should. She's on her way to billionaire status. Yeah, Yeah, how come he's worth so much more than she is? Business ventures, like uh, Mm. I think he has a couple of liquor company, a couple of liquor. Oh right, yeah. He he also has the you know the the clothing companies, the Rockaware, what what is it? And yeah, then he he manages every band on the planet, so or he's produces. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, and he's got the Spotify. What is the Spotify thing he has? Um, Oh yeah, it it was. I don't know title. I don't know if it's still around. Title. That's it. Title. I will post an Instagram of this really beautiful infinity pool that like, it's just concrete on both sides and it looks like a lap pool. And then the Pacific ocean is behind it. It is. That is a pretty shot. So, mm. Love it. All right. Number three, James. Number three. 
Well, the big news coming out of Cannes was the thunderous ovation that Killers of the Flower Moon got. Yes? I thought the big news out of Cannes was uh, Jude Law's perfume that I asked for. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, <laughs> the Killers of the Flower Moon is um, Martin Scorsese's three-and-a-half-hour movie about the Osage uh, tribe killings in the 1920s, the murders that happened in the, with the Osage tribe. And um, they are saying that this is Leonardo DiCaprio's best role ever, that this is the crowning achievement of his career. And when you think of his career, and I'm just going to say, oh, dear, wait, hold on. Romeo and Juliet from 1996. Well, Romeo and Juliet. Basketball Diaries. This well, boy's eating life. Gilbert Grape. Eating Gilbert Grape. Marvin's Room. Um, uh, Romeo and Juliet. What Wolf of Wall Street. Gangs of New York. I mean, he's really had Titanic. Titanic. Well, you oh, know, yeah. sort of. Man in the Iron Mask was my favorite. I love that one. Um, but. They're saying that this is without a doubt that he is going to that this is it's it's his Oscar to lose. Basically, they're also saying that this is Martin Scorsese's career best, too. And when you think of his from Mean Streets and Taxi Driver and Raging Bull, I mean, that's saying something that they think that this is is his best. They're also saying that Jesse Plemons, you know, Meth Damon. uh, It's a crook. What's her butt's husband? Yes, yes, Kirsten Dunst, right? Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, it's her. They say that he's absolutely fantastic. John Lithgow, Brendan Fraser, uh, Robert De Niro, everybody is said to be fantastic. And that Lily Gladstone, who uh, is by this time next year, she is going to be the biggest star on the planet. Now, so it, it, you're thinking that, that it's Leo's Oscar, that's every, it's Oscars all around for everybody. But then the other big news coming out of Cannes was Oppenheimer. And that's the other three and a half hour movie about, you know, the making of it was it the atomic bomb and mm-hmm. all of that with the open eye. And they're saying that Cillian Murphy, that this is the best he's ever been. Forget Peaky Blinders, forget the scarecrow in the in Batman, you know, movies, you know, that this is it, that we are coming down to Cillian versus Leo at the Academy Awards. And it's going to be a battle royale. Unlike anything since since Betty Davis uh, and Gloria Swanson battled it out in 1950, and we all know what happened then. Why do we have to have any three-hour movies? Because why, well, why is why is Wicked cut into two parts and this isn't? Well, I can't answer that. But my question was, is we all remember what happened when All About Eve, Betty Davis, went up against Gloria Swanson for Sunset Boulevard. Do you know what happened, Fenton? No. (laughs) What happened was it split the Academy. Some people went with Gloria. Some people went with Betty. And neither one of them won. And Judy Holliday swooped in and won for um, uh, Born Yesterday, which in, in any other year would be fabulous. But can you imagine neither woman... You know, Gloria Swanson or Betty Davis, and neither one of them win because they split. And that just might be what happens again, where the Academy splits between Cillian and Leo, and someone else will get in. Leo hasn't ever won, has he? Yeah, he won for The Revenant after all that time. Oh, Remember right, the bear. right, right. But he didn't really deserve it for that. That was sort of a career, you know. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Right. Like, I remember you probably, it was probably you saying, 
they gave it to him because he because of Wolf of Wall Street and yeah. Titanic and everything I else. See. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Killers of the Flower Moon is out on October 6th, and we can judge for ourselves. Although, when there, is Oppenheimer out? Uh, I think it's December or something like that. Oh, but no. you can see the trailer for Killers of the Flower Moon that just dropped this week oh, as well. No. On the WoW Report. Yeah, well, um, let's move on. Number two. I'm sorry uh, to talk about this one more time. Number two. But soon we won't be able to talk about it at all because Succession will be over and done with and finished. So this week, spoiler alert, we had the funeral of Logan Roy, which I found shocking in itself because I thought he died ages ago. And I was like, he's not buried yet? What's going on? But apparently the way the series works is each episode is just a day or so. It's not like, so there's been, it's just been one hell of a week for the characters in succession in these episodes of the last season. James, I, you think we're going to tussle over the funeral? Uh, oh my eulogies. god! I'm so scared of where you're going to say. I am so terrified of you right now. Here's what I'm going to say. To me, the best moment of television I have ever seen in my life was when Lady Caroline Collingwood grabbed Kelly, Logan's mistress, and oh. brought her to the front and connected her with Marsha. And all Logan Roy's women sat in a row in black. <laughs> and there's this moment where Lady Caroline Collingwood, who's perhaps the harshest, and for that reason, my favorite character in the entire series, where she's like, it's all water under the bridge. And there's a moment where Marsha, who has hated Kelly, the ingenue, the news reading ingenue, Marsha takes Kelly's hand and holds it. I was in floods of tears that moment, well, and only that, that moment. Kelly is she's sitting there. She's she's about to lose it, and the other two bitches are just sitting there, you know, you know, in their funeral finery and everything like that. But there's that great line where um, she says something about, "Well, at least he won't be grinding his teeth anymore." And all three of them are instantly connected in that it joke that only those three women on the planet know that about him. And it's a great moment where you see that all of a sudden they all have that in common and everything else sort of falls away for just those few seconds. And there's just so few moments of genuine love and affection in the series. And this is a moment where these women find each other and all their differences are left behind. And there's a moment of, of, of love, which coming from as someone as cold and flinty and I dare say cunty as Lady Caroline Collingwood is just, who was Logan Roy's first wife or second wife. I can't remember, but anyway, but so James- I do want to, yeah, I do want to just say that the, first of all, you see Kieran Culkin, you see Roman practicing his eulogy and it's all quippy and funny and, 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 you know, you know, he's got his little jokes in there and everything like that. And as he's practicing, you're thinking this is, he's never going to deliver it. He's not going to do it. You just knew that it was, that something was going to happen. And then when the brother gets up before him and gives that devastating, just that cruel, like just laid bare the horror that this man was. And you see Roman saying, I can't, follow that with my with my quippy little thing and he gets up there and when to me one of the saddest moments i've ever seen was when roman starts to break down on the stand and he's like uh 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 and then he says 
is he in there? And he says, is my dad in the coffin? And he points to the coffin and then they have to lead him off because he's just sobbing. That to me was just give him his Emmy because between that and the other episode where he was watching Alexander Skarsgård piss on the mountain, remember that? And he, <laughs> he lays into him there. It's it, but then again, on top of that, then you have Kendall getting up there and doing that thing that Kendall does, where all of a sudden he pulls out of his ass this eulogy that is one for the ages, and he's just extemporizing, he's just making it up as he goes along, and it is just brilliant. It's like it's like the light, it's like when he was doing the thing in the episode that you loved before, Living Plus, yes, yes, the Living Plus, where he just it's it's where does that come from? From because he's such a loser and an idiot. And then all of a sudden he just can pull it out of his ass and make the world stop. Yeah. Blake. Yeah. Blake doesn't watch it. He has no idea what we're talking about. You know, it's funny. I'm a cold person because I didn't feel for Kieran. Like I, I, it was like toe-curling that he was blubbing and everything. I love the line when um, someone, I guess it's at the reception, someone says to him, Hey, hey, it's the Grim Weeper, Tiny Tears. It's so <laughs> oh, awful. Well, it, that, that's um, the, one of the, the Madden people, or one of the, what, what is the... Um, oh, yeah, 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 the Gojo. Yeah, the, the, and to me, the guy with the beard, the bearded bear, who is sort of his flunky, Scarlet's yeah. flunky, yes. one of just the nastiest characters I've seen in a long yeah. time. <laughs> Just they're they're all just awful, awful, awful. Oh, I, but I do just want to say, uh, going back to Lady Caroline Collingwood, uh, I love. I'd forgotten that you know she has a terrible relationship with her three kids, particularly Shiv, her daughter, because she left when they were young. But do you remember that it was I think previous season where they Shiv and Lady Caroline get to have a chat, yes. and uh, it, it, it all goes horribly wrong. And at the end, um, Lady Caroline says. She should never have had children and should have just raised dogs instead. <laughs> it's like horrible. Just... Oh, and the thing, well, the thing about Shiv too is that we know that Shiv is pregnant, and every time you see her, she's got a, a glass of champagne in her hand and she's chugging champagne. And then when she was with Skarsgård and she was doing bumps of K with it, and you're like, "You are pregnant. What are you doing?" And is it because she has no intention of keeping the baby? Is that what's going on? I don't know. Or is she just going to be as bad a parent as her mother? Uh, we've got to wrap it up. Have we? How many episodes do we have to go? One. This this week is the last one. Well, James Cromwell says it is nothing short of miraculous. The ending. He says it's the best ending he's ever had anything to do with in his life. You know, so. we with Lost, with you know Game of Thrones. Like there have been some crappy endings of some great series. Right. And so Sopranos. they better not screw it up. Right. Um, gosh, I'm exhausted. Let's take one more break. And when we come back, we'll reveal the number one thing this week that made us go. Oh. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. All right. Welcome back to the Wow Report. It's Fenton here with James and Blake and, and Tom is out on assignment. Um, it's actually, it's a really sad reveal this week. Number one. Not one, but two. Two. And, you know, Tina Turner, and we we can talk about Tina Turner, but I did want to quickly mention that um, we lost Kenneth Anger, the great underground uh, filmmaker, the gay icon um, who did Scorpio Rising, Lucifer Rising, so many um, 19 in the late 50s, early 60s experimental movies. 
Um, he also wrote Hollywood Babylon and Hollywood Babylon 2. There was a great story that I saw today on the internet in which Amos Poe, the underground filmmaker, was saying that he was on a plane once to Rome and he was seated next to Kenneth Anger and he was really excited to spend like nine hours talking film with Kenneth Anger and Kenneth Anger just shut him down. It wouldn't talk to him at all. And at one point near the end of the, the ride, he get, it's the plane's about to land. Kenneth Anger goes to the bathroom to freshen up. And when he comes back, he has this overpowering scent on and uh (laughs) well that's it and amos poe says what is that cologne and um kenneth anger says formaldehyde i bathe in it (laughs) (laughs) which i just thought that that was what he wore as a cologne (laughs) this is a hopeless story but he actually came into the office once to pitch when we were over at crossroads and i hardly remember anything about it well, he came into the um the gallery once because he lived on right by, on Hollywood Boulevard, and he came in one time and just sat down and plopped down and was as chatty as can yes. be and would talk about Lucifer Rising and Scorpio and talked about the gays and Warhol Factory and all of that stuff and was just you know because he was famously rather truculent, but he he was just very chatty with me and I just really enjoyed it. But anyway, we need to get on to Tina Turner because okay. that's that's the one that. It's so, so sad. Like can you, a world without Tina Turner is just—it's unimaginable to me. Well, did you guys know she was sick? Because I feel like I knew that like uh, not long ago. But I, I had have... an inkling when she did the documentary that maybe this was it, sort of thing. Like I, 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 I have a one, at least one good friend, my friend Jerome, who is a super fan of Tina, and I, maybe I just know because he knew somehow. I don't know. But um, so you know, sad. but she is the only person before Ike and Tina, before the Ike and Tina Turner review, when she was still anime Bullock, she um, had a she had a top ten hit in 1959. So she had hits in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and I think even 2000. Nobody, not even Cher, comes close to that. Right. And um, when I think of the way, let me say the sands, baby, since we've been together. The first time I heard that and I was mm-hmm. at the cusp of the bloom of my gay <laughs> youth. And I remember they would play it at the Copa Disco. And it was just one of those ones that everybody would scream and shout. And just it take listening to those opening chords takes me back to being 16 and well, that was the album, right, produced by Heaven 17, who were part of that whole Human League era yes. and that whole sort of cruel world era. And if you remember before that, you know, she had 10 years where she was a nobody. Yeah. Yeah, you know, right. where she was on Hollywood Squares and she was on The Price is Right. I mean, she would do any. And then all of a sudden she had that comeback that is one of the great, you know, rock and roll comebacks. Well, of all time. I would recommend everyone to watch the um Michael Schmidt episode of Night Fever because he had a really good like story and relationship with Tina Turner that where she was his private dancer she was doing a little private dancing for him yeah, yeah. so art rest in perfection Tina Turner and Kenneth Anger yes yeah. and thank you for tuning into the Wow Report on Radio Andy um thank you James I'm glad you're back thank, thank you, you thank you and um Same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes Makes the world world go. Wow. Wow.